the light bulb went on. I was like, oh yeah, so we really are in the ice cream business, you know? There's candy involved? You didn't tell me that. (laughs) Welcome to the Virginia Foodie Podcast, where we lift the lid on the craft food industry and tell the stories behind the good food, good people, and good brands that you know and love. If you've ever come across a yummy food brand and wondered, how did they do that? How did they turn that recipe into a successful business? Then we've got some stories for you. Welcome to the Virginia Foodie Podcast. I'm George Deering, owner of Water Street Marketing and founder of Virginia Foodie. As we record this, it's 2020 and it's been a crazy, crazy summer. I don't know about you guys. But we've been taking simple pleasures wherever we can find them, like ice cream. So today, I'm talking to the owners of Blue Cow, a craft ice cream business here in Virginia, and they're giving us their take on running a small local food business. Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I've got Carolyn and Jason Kaiser from Blue Cow Ice Cream. We've been kind of following you on Instagram for a while, and we crossed paths some last year when you were opening a new shop in Virginia Beach. So I'm really glad that you could join me on the podcast today. And I thought maybe you could start by telling our listeners a little bit about your business Just let them know who you are, what you're doing, and fill us in on what's going on. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for inviting us to be on your podcast. This is a first for us. I am Carolyn, and... Yep, I'm Jason, and we are craft ice cream makers. We have a business, Blue Cow Ice Cream. We started the company in Rose, Virginia about three years ago. Since we've opened our second location in Virginia Beach last summer, as you mentioned. And we have plans to bring another unit online in Fredericksburg in the spring of 2021. That's just a snapshot of our business. We're into the craft ice cream game. Oh, that's great. What's the blue in Blue Cow? Blue is for the Blue Ridge, Virginia's Blue Ridge. That's where we opened up and, you know, cow obviously for the dairy. So Blue Cow Ice Cream is how we came up with the name. And we get asked that quite a bit. So that's kind of the background on the naming. Well, it's cute. We like it. We like your brand. That's cool. I think naming a restaurant is harder than naming a child. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting it out there for everybody, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the first question I've been asking everybody, I mean, we're recording this in 2020. It's crazy. It's August and legitimately, how's it going? The year's been nuts. How are you doing? It's going pretty good, all things considered. When the virus hit back in March, there was a lot of unknowns for many businesses, us included, about how to handle it and what to do. And then the the governor kind of went to a phase one where things were clamped down pretty tight. So that put a, a bit of a strain on the business as far as how we operate, because, you know, we're a walk-up business. People like to come in and sit in the store and experience the shops and taste ice cream and make a decision and and get a product so that you know we had to limit like everyone else limit the store to 10 or less people and it was just a tough time for everyone involved so we kind of had to adapt our model at that point to take on a more of a delivery and a curbside which was new for us so we got a website set up and you know and then went to a curbside delivery and 
it was just a challenge for the business, you know, just how we operate. You know, we have one phone line <laughs> in the store. Usually we might get four or five calls a day wanting to know when we close. And then now we're having orders come across online and they're here to pick it up and they're trying to call in. So yeah, you know, it was just an operational challenge trying to keep the store open and keep our employees employed and keep the customers happy. Just a weird time. I will say, I think we are a little more fortunate that it is not a sit-down restaurant, you know, that it is more of a counter service experience because there is some comfort there with just taking it and reading quickly. That's been helpful that even if our dining area was closed, it, you know, people could still come and get a scoop of ice cream. So did you do take-home ice cream before? Were you selling very much in pints and things? We were selling pints. Before COVID, we had connected with Grubhub and Postmates for some delivery, local delivery. It was pints were going out and scoops. But after COVID, for sure, more pints were heading out the door. It just totally changed the mix of items going from a more of a scoop on a cone to a pint and a couple pints at a time, two or three pints at a time, for sure. Yeah, if you look at kind of our pint sales from June, for example, June this year versus June last year, I mean, it's totally more of a take-home product as people stock their freezers. Well, that would be kind of cool if that gives you another little stream of service for your customers to just keep that take-home in your mind. I think we plan to leave our online store open so people can continue to order and do curbside. It's been well, you know, pretty well received. And since, the, since coming back to phase three, it's become more in balance with those orders to where we can manage it a little better with our <laughs> infrastructure with the telephone. It was just nutty there for a little while. <laughs> well, you're like a lot of businesses. You had to do a pretty fast pivot. I think that customers are very adaptable to the new guidelines. I haven't heard a lot of feedback from restaurants communities saying, you know, oh, they just won't stand for it. You know, that's good, I, I think. That has been our experience. Most customers are very understanding of the situation that we're in as well, you know, trying to serve a different way and they're aware of the guidelines and they follow the guidelines for mask requirements, social distancing. But that being said, there is occasion where you have somebody who doesn't agree with those policies and they certainly let us know about it. That happens with anything. Change is hard for some people. You mentioned that you're still planning to move into Fredericksburg and you have a location in Virginia Beach. And the last time I talked to you, you were making your ice cream just in Roanoke. Do you do any other ice cream making anywhere else or do you have a facility or how do you manage that expansion? We started with the one store here in Roanoke and we have a small production kitchen in the back of that store. That worked. Let me emphasize small. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> small but functional. It worked great. And as we were getting to the point where it was time to bring Virginia Beach online, we knew that we were going to run out of freezer space critically. I mean, our production capacity was still there enough to build the ice cream that we needed for two stores, but we needed more freezer capacity. So we were able to get a little more space in our building kind of as a temporary band-aid last summer. And we put in a bigger freezer, uh, 
But that being said, we do produce it all centrally, and we're in the process now of building out a central production kitchen and a larger building that will allow us to continue to grow into the foreseeable future. So, you know, we're, we're in the midst of a construction project right now to get our production moved into the bigger location, and that'll be great. It's just a much more accommodating building for what we need to do right now. It's a little tight back there, so we're kind of dancing around and scooting around and <laughs> getting it done, but I don't know how we do it sometimes. That's kind of a thing with a lot of small craft food businesses in general. It's that chicken egg thing, growth versus capacity versus demand. It's like, when do we make that move? So that's a bold move to pick a new location and take on some expansion, which is great because that means you can bring your ice cream to another community. And now I'm going to really ask you about that ice cream because that's the part people want to know about. You are very much about local flavors. Can you talk about some of the great things you have? I mean, I know of some of the favorites that I see going by, but can you talk about your philosophy and your approach to ice cream making? So our philosophy to ice cream making is we want to create a great craft product for our customers to enjoy. In the process of making the ice cream, we want to source our products as close to home as possible. And knowing that's not always available to us, given we're using a lot of chocolates and other confectionery items, you know, if we do have to buy outside of local, we seek out the best products we can buy through our supply chain. On a local side of things, we've created some partnerships with like Hubs Peanut, for example. They're a Virginia-based peanut company, and we use their peanuts in our ice creams when we need peanuts. We use we make a peanut barrel, for example, we'll, we'll have Hubs Peanuts in there. We've contracted, or not contracted, but we've aligned with a couple of coffee roasters in the area. So we have Red Rooster, which is a Floyd, Virginia coffee roaster, and we use their products and uh, ice cream, and we sell that here in our Roanoke store. And we've also connected with Three Ships Coffee out of Virginia Beach, and they roast their beans, and we use their product for a, a product we make for our Virginia Beach store. So we're trying to keep it local with relationships to the specific markets even down to that level. And one of my favorite examples is just microform, I think you can call it. And it's with our backyard basil flavor. It's a basil flavored ice cream with chocolate chips. And this is about as local as you get. It's a neighbor. Um, we're in, in a residential area in our Roanoke store, and it's a neighbor in that neighborhood. He grows some basil every year. And so he approached us and asked if we'd be interested. And he's got a great business, actually. And we were, and you know, we've used that in our backyard basil. Unfortunately, he didn't have a great crop this year, so it wasn't available. We had people asking for it, but that's part of the nature of the farm to table, I guess, is, you know, you have to go with what, what's available in the season. So you're really small batching it. Oh, totally small batching it. We make ice cream about four and a half gallons at a time. So it's, you know, if you think about ice cream production, for a, like a Hershey's or something. I mean, that is just nothing, you know? I mean, it's just such a small batch that we're working through. It's just very organic and, you know, just, I said, it comes out four and a half gallons at a time. You know, we run a couple machines all day long to keep the store supplied. Goodness, my brother could go through that in a month, four and a half <laughs> gallons of ice cream. That's not a lot of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. 
we've had people ask, you know, can you sell us a whole tub of ice cream? I'm like, well, and where are you going to put it? <laughs> you know, from the local sourcing, something that we're giving consideration to and looking into is when we get into our new building is being able to source our dairy more locally. I mean, it's a locally sourced product now. It's Virginia cows, but, it, you know, it's through a cooperative dairy farmers. And there's a local dairy close to us who's been looking at building out her own dairy. And we'd love to get the milk and the cream from her and be able to pasteurize on premises. So, you know, we're just not set up for that at the moment. You know, we get a mix co-packed for us that comes to us ready to use. You know, they have in there what we need and what we want. And But it would be great to be able to procure our dairy at a much more local basis. We would love to do that in the future. So that is something that is on our radar, hopefully in the next year or two. Oh, wow. So you would go right back to the cows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just didn't really even think about that. I mean, I think of dairy in a bulk a little bit, but that's really craft. So that makes a very interesting experience for your ice cream. I want to go back to something you talked about people asking about a whole tub, do you ever see or do you now consider supporting restaurants or other outlets, you know, in the food service industry? We have thought about it. We don't currently. We've been asked a couple of times about wholesale. I think the answer is yes, we'd like to have a couple key partnerships and supply ice cream to a small amount of people who are also focused on quality like we are. Part of the situation is in how we're licensed and regulated. We have a license to sell our products through our retail store. So we don't have a wholesale license, and that's just a mechanism of how we're regulated through VDACs, Virginia Department of Agriculture and, and Customer Services. But So I guess the answer to your question is we don't right now, but we're looking into how can we do that. There's just a little more red tape and some different things we'd have to do with labeling for our ice cream tubs to get it out into the wholesale market like that. Mm -hmm. I do think once we move into our central production facility, you know, right now it's also a space, so we can't even really entertain that knowing we don't have the storage space for wholesale. So what it really boils down to is repasteurization. They would want us to repasteurize an already pasteurized product to wholesale. And right now we don't have a pasteurizer. I'm a consumer of dairy. So what does that mean, pasteurize and then repasteurize? Does that impact flavor or quality or anything like that? Not really. I mean, it shouldn't impact flavor or quality. It's just another step in the supply chain to put a barrier up against foodborne illness, you know, any pathogens. You know, basically when we get our mix, it's already gone through that process. So it's ready to go. And, you know, to have to take it to a repasteurization again, it's just a redundant step. But and I think they're thinking about that enrichment, about how that works going forward for, for people like us who are manufacturing on a small scale craft basis. So we're just waiting to kind of hear back at this point. Well, I want to go back to flavors and what do you have? I know that you have some interesting palette going. So what are you working on and what are the big ones? What can people look forward to? Right now, we're kind of moving out of summer into the fall. So we'll be transitioning to some more fall type flavors and flavor profiles, you know, like pumpkins and spices. And as we move into the holidays, some more holiday themed 
flavor profiles. I will say just over the summer, the big ones, if you will, our key lime pie is really well received. And same with our s'mores, both of those two, we get a lot of feedback on just in general, but obviously, particularly key lime, that kind of phases out as we look into fall, but those were very well received. Yeah. Oh, those sound delicious. That sounds good. So when you're doing key lime, we don't really grow limes here, but you're sourcing them from what kind of resource for that? So that one is a company down in Florida that we source. We have a key lime juice jugged up and sent to us. I think they're actually in Key West. Is yeah. They're located. Yeah. So it's like, a, you know, the traditional, when you think of key lime pie, these are the people that you think of, you know, Nellie and Joe's is the name of the business. They provide a specific size jug for you to use for your production? Yeah, we buy in gallons. They prepare gallons for other people. I think other that's just that is one of their sizes that they produce is gallons. So we buy gallons of this key lime juice and bring it in and then we do some things with it inside to to get it ready for the ice cream so it's not like, you know, rock solid when it gets in there and freezes over. It's a great flavor. We bake up like a traditional crust that you would find on a key lime pie and toss it in when the ice cream's coming off the machine and it it just works very well together. It kind of leaves you digging around looking for that crust when you're going through the pine or through the scoop. Balances nicely. I know that a Pungo region has a lot of great sources. My mind just flipped to strawberry as well. It's like, oh, you probably got some farms in that region that you're working with or so with strawberry, given the limited growing season, we have a a little bit of a situation where we can't get them all at once and store them effectively because we could get them all at once. <laughs> With our freezer situation right now, we would have to get them all in and then freeze them for use later, which would be perfectly fine, but we just don't have the room. So we're currently sourcing strawberries in particular from one of our food suppliers, and they come from North Carolina and maybe some from Virginia. So that is one that we would like to source more locally when we have more room to kind of take the berries in when they're at the peak of season and put them away so we can use them down the road. We get some berries from a farm in Michigan. They're known for growing their black raspberries. So we buy berries from a farm in Michigan for some flavors that we'll have coming here in the fall. We are aware of Pongo and know they grow <laughs> And actually got a few names of some farms down there for when it's time to kind of move that conversation forward. Hopefully in the spring, we'll be looking at that because we'll be in our new building by then and have more room to accommodate the Fall flavors and fall ice cream. That sounds like there needs to be pie on the side of that. But <laughs> <laughs> you said you have pumpkin, you have spice. Tell me some other things. Do you do an eggnog? What things are really going to carry you into the colder months with a cold dessert? Definitely pumpkin coming. We're about to release a chocolate ganache and peanut brittle, which just is, is, is a nice, hearty, decadent flavor for the fall. We will do a cinnamon snickerdoodle as we get a little closer to the holidays, and it's an awesome flavor. We have a couple of white chocolate and peppermint bark as we get closer to the end of the year. Some things will be new this year. We're kind of thinking about some new flavors. What else do we have coming? Well, we have cereal milk coming, which is another one that people go crazy for, which is basically, you know, we all love the end of the bowl of cereal. And, you know, basically we have a flavor that mimics drinking 
the milk from your cereal bowl. So that one will come. Yeah, we steep that with some uh, corn flakes and some other spices. Yeah, we have a black raspberry flavor that we'll be bringing on probably in the next month and a half. It's black raspberry with chocolate chips. We ran a sweet corn flavor last year and corn is in right now or it's probably coming or, you know, just get maybe towards the end of finishing. Not certain if we're going to do that one this year, but we, that might come out. Corn, sweet corn with black raspberry. That's interesting. You've got some interesting takes on flavor. Like what inspired you to work in the food industry or what inspired you to work with food? And is there something in your past, in your childhood or something that is a good food memory that led you to what you're doing right now? It might be more in the present. We have two kids (laughs) Uh, in the past too. I mean, ice cream is, we enjoy ice cream. We enjoy ice cream as a family. And in Roanoke, we saw an opportunity to maybe take the ice cream in a different direction than what was traditionally happening around here. We had a little spark to kind of light us up in the sense that there was a operator who had a small ice cream shop that we would go to as a family. And they retired after being in business for like 25 or 30 years or whatever it was. They had a long run in the food business and they had decided to hang it up. And that really was kind of a little bit of a spark that Carolyn and I started talking about is, you know, wow, we... You know, we enjoy going to get ice cream as a family. There's an opening here to do something on a craft basis. I mean, there, you know, Roanoke had craft breweries, a lot of cool bakeries, and the food scene is developed and doing great. So we just kind of saw a hole for craft ice cream and, and thought we could fill it. And, you know, our goals were to make a quality product sourced locally as much as possible and to make fun and enjoyable retail spaces where people could come and do what we like to do, which is, you know, be with our family and friends and enjoy a good product at the end of the day. So you kids, you taste testers? <laughs> yes, and they're brutally honest, you know, how kids are. They are funny. When we were kind of getting ready to open, you know, there's just a whirlwind of things happening before you go live and you know, they hated going up to the store. They would just complain <laughs> all the time. Oh, I don't want to go out there. But once we kind of got our toppings jars out and set, and they saw a big jar of M&Ms, and they were like, oh, wow, let's do it. You know, <laughs> it totally changed everything. <laughs> There's candy involved? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> you know, it was hysterical. We got our machines up and running, and I made this big tub of ice cream, and I brought it home. And so we just had this like big tub of ice cream and we're all in there with a spoon, like eating it in the kitchen. It was just really funny. I think that was a good memory for me. It's, you know, the kids kind of, the light bulb went on. I was like, oh yeah, so we really are in the ice cream business, you know. (laughs) This has been great talking to you. Can you give all of our listeners an opportunity? Like where can they find you? What are your Instagram handles? All those good stuff. Because I know everybody's going to want to go out and taste it now. So Yeah, well, thank you. And we hope so. So thanks for having fun. Right now we have our two locations. One is in Roanoke, and that is at the base of Mill Mountain in southeast Roanoke. And the other one is in Virginia Beach. We're off Shore Drive, 2817. It's right there in the Food Line Shopping Center. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is the same. It's Blue Cow Ice Cream. Well, thanks for letting us know where we can find you. I'm sure people are going to want to run out and get a scoop. Thanks for talking today. 
Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you having us this morning and uh, you have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to grow your own food brand, then click on Grow My Brand at vafoodie.com. If you're a lover of local food, then be sure to follow us. We're at VA Foodie on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Join the conversation and tell us about your adventures with good food, good people, and good brands.